0: Welcome to Wizard Studies. Join us as we peruse all things
1: Potter. Hello and welcome to Wizard Studies. I'm Audrey
0: and I'm Katie.
1: And today we are talking about Fleur Delacour, the part-villa mostly wizard <laughs> I don't know what to say about her. Um, (laughs) Tri-Wizard champion, Beauxbatons student, wife of Bill Weasley, member of the Order of the Phoenix, badass witch.
0: Well, I'm going to talk about that later.
1: Okay. I feel like even if she wasn't an official member, she counts. Yeah. But whatever. We'll we'll get into it.
0: We don't know what the induction ceremony (laughs) entails for the Order of the Phoenix.
1: (laughs) Oh my god. Okay. Um, this episode topic was requested by a listener. Um, Leia, thank you for this suggestion. I'm really excited to talk about Fleur because I feel like she doesn't get that much attention, but she's definitely a pretty deep and interesting character. Yep. So,
0: starting off with her name, her name is. Fleur or Floor, I think I've heard people pronounce it both ways. I always just say Fleur. Fleur. Yeah. Um, Isabelle Delacour um, Weasley. So I, I think either the Wikia is assuming she changed her last name or, like, it's been said that she changed her last name because it had Fleur Isabel Weasley, like, uh, maiden name, Delacour. So, And her name comes from the French fl- phrase Fleur de la Cour, which is her name,
1: <laughs> meaning flower of the court. Okay, and her birthday we know is before October thirtieth, nineteen seventy seven, because she would have had to be seventeen um, when she was chosen as champion. We don't know any more than that, though.
0: Yeah, and her parents are Apolline Delacour and Mister Delacour. <laughs> we never hear his name. And then um, I just added this in because her sister does play like a pretty big role, at least in Goblet of Fire. Um, her sister is Gabrielle Delacour. And that's her younger sister. She's like significantly mm-hmm. like, younger. Significantly,
1: Isn't yeah. she like nine? Did I make that up? Something like that. Okay. I don't know. Um, and then her school is Beauxbatons Academy of Magic.
0: Her wand is nine and a half inches rosewood with a vila hair core. So we actually don't have any Ollivander writings about her wand because he doesn't use rosewood or Vila hair. Um, but I just like looked up some stuff about rosewood. Um, it's like a strong and heavy wood and it looks really nice when it's polished. So it's used in guitars or like chessboards a lot of the time. And the sawdust of rosewood is known to have a very flowery aroma. Um, so I think, like, on the surface level, level, this, like, fits Blur pretty well. Like, it's pretty on the outside, but it's still, like, a strong and heavy wood. Kind of like she's, like, a substantial witch. You know, like, she can hold her own. She's strong. So. Yeah, I like that. I thought that is, like, pretty good. And then with the Vila hair, um... Ollivander, during the weighing of the wand ceremony, he does mention that he doesn't like to use vila hair because it makes wands temperamental. And we know that the vila hair is one from Fleur's grandmother where she gets her vileness from. <laughs> uh, so that's really all we know about her wand. I assume it's pretty
1: as well. Yeah, I feel like I picture it as being, like, very ornate and stuff.
0: Yeah, and her wand in the Noble Collection is really pretty. Um, It kind of looks like, like, at the bottom it's got this, like, design that's, like, a curl and then there's, like, stuff in it. Um, It's one that I definitely want to get. It's on my list of wands to get because it is really pretty.
1: Oh, yeah, it's so cool. I just looked it up to remind myself.
0: It's, like, her and Tonks's I really like, but they're really hard. They're not, like, good to hold, I don't think. Like, the thing at the bottom makes it awkward to hold. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to either, like, hold it up, like, really high or, like, your bottom two fingers are on that thing, which is fine. But I like to hold my wands before I buy
1: them and make sure they feel nice. Katie buying a wand is, like, a <laughs> whole process. Don't get me started.
0: But, yeah, so that's what we know about Flair's wand.
1: Okay, so then her bog art is Lord Voldemort, and this comes from the Lego Harry Potter years one through four game. And I feel like a lot of, like, I feel like that game assigned a lot of people to just have the bog art Lord Voldemort, so. Mm.
0: Yeah, it's easy. Yeah. I don't actually know if I think that's what her. I feel like maybe post four. Yeah. Like, even though she didn't see him come back, but, like, having him, like, kill one of her friends. Because I think I talked about this in, like, the Tri-Wizard Tournament part. But, like, I guess her and Cedric actually got, like, yeah semi-close throughout the year. Um, so, maybe, like, post that, I could see Lord Voldemort being her boggart.
1: I think it could also be, like, tied to that, something, like, similar to Mrs. We- Weasley's. Because I feel like Fleur is very, like, family-oriented, um, and I feel like it could be something like with like seeing her sister or Bill or somebody um, dead, like their corpse.
0: For sure. Speaking of Bill, Bill Weasley is her husband. and we get to see their wedding in book 7 a lovely affair until it gets crashed by teachers <laughs> or ministry officials.
1: <laughs> the worst kind of wedding. <laughs> <mistress>. <laughs> 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 uh. Okay, and then her blood status. Um, we've included this because she is a quarter Vila, uh, meaning that her grandmother, her maternal grandmother, was a Vila. Um, and so Vila are prominent in Slavic mythology, and so it's not the villas in, um, the wizarding world are not the same as those in mythology, but, um, it's kind of assumed that that's where JK got the idea and kind of took from it. Um, I will point out though, in Slavic mythology, I read something about like a vila losing a hair or like when you take a hair from a vila, like it's actually fatal. Um, so that's why it's kind of interesting that Fleur's grandmother gave the hair for her wand. Um, But, I mean, we don't know if that's true in, like, the Wizarding World Vila, but it just, like, has some connotations there. Um, So, Vila are actually not in Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. So, I got some information from the Harry Potter wiki, and I'll just read the description of them from there says, Vila are semi-human, magical beings who appear as young, beautiful women with white gold hair and moon-bright skin, native to Bulgaria. Their looks, and especially their dance, is hypnotically seductive to almost all male beings, which causes them to perform foolhardy and impulsive actions to get closer to and to receive admiration from the Vila. I just thought it was interesting that it's always described as seducing men, but I wonder if it's just like anyone who is attracted to women. I was thinking it probably is, and that's just, like, the heteronormative way of saying it, but, um, I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. Things we don't get in the Harry Potter universe, because (laughs) there's no queer representation. Um, And then we know that Vila have their own type of wandless magic, and when they're angered, which happens pretty easily, they transform into sort of harpy-like creatures, um... So we see this in the Quidditch World Cup when the leprechauns, the Irish team mascots, um, anger the Bulgarian mascots, which are the Vila. And their faces turn into cruel-beaked bird-like heads with long, scaly wings um, burst from their shoulders. Wow, long, scaly wings burst from their shoulders. And they can launch balls of fire from their hands. Yeah, so not pleasant. Um, <laughs> children of villas and wizards inherit the magical ability from their wizard father and the beauty and charm from their Vila mother um, and these traits carry on for at least a few generations because we see Fleur and her sister Gabrielle inherit the like Vila charm and beauty um, as well as their mother but we don't know if like Fleur and Bill's kids also kind of have this Vila-ness to them um, but it's unclear if they inherit the other Vila powers, so, like, we don't know if Fleur can transform into a harpy, I would think, probably not, um, yeah. or launch balls of fire from, from her hands, but, you know, we'll never hmm. know, I guess.
0: Interesting. So how, how is, like, a full-blooded Vila, how does that happen? Because aren't they all female?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I assume. Hmm, I don't know. Maybe they're created. Yeah. You know, That's like weird. kind of like a, a um, dementor type thing, but less sad.
0: Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, so now to the first mention. So, Fleur's first mention, um, she kind of has two. um, One that I'm not going to read. So, during Dumbledore's speech, there is a Beau Batons girl, or Beau battens, whichever one you say it, um, that like snickers in Dumbledore's speech. And then when we like actually meet her for the first time, Hermione's like, oh, that's the girl who snickered during Dumbledore's speech. So. I'm not gonna do that one because it's not even like it just says a Bobatons girl is heart snickering like it doesn't describe her at all. So, at that moment, a voice said, "Excuse me, are you wanting Zibuliebees?" It was a girl from the Beaux- It was a girl from Bobatons who had laughed during Dumbledore's speech. She had finally removed her muffler. A long sheet of silver blonde hair fell almost to her waist. She had large, deep blue eyes and very white, even teeth ron went purple she stared he stared up at her opened his mouth to reply but nothing came out except for a faint gurgling noise (laughs) (laughs) you have it said harry pushing the dish towards the girl you have finished with it yeah said ron said breathlessly yeah it was excellent the girl picked up the dish and carried it carefully off to the ravenclaw table ron was still googling "'goggling at the girl as though he had never seen one before. "'Harry started to laugh. "'The sound seemed to jog back to his senses. "'She's a bela,' he said hoarsely to Harry. "'Of course she isn't,' said Hermione tartly. "'I don't see anyone else gaping at her like an idiot.' (sighs) But she wasn't entirely right about that. As the girl crossed the hall, many boys' head t- heads turned, and some of them seemed to have become tempor- temporarily speechless, just like Ron. I'm telling you, that's not a normal girl, said Ron, leaning sideways, so he could keep a clear view of her. They don't make them like that at Hogwarts.
1: <laughs> Yikes. Yikes. <laughs> um, I think it's hilarious how they describe her perfectly even teeth. <laughs>
0: Yeah, uh, it's also like Harry never really seems to be affected that much by yeah. Vila, because even in the World Cup, like I think he might. Well, because he has like the binoculars on. I think when it first starts, yeah. And so, like, I don't know. There's like he like doesn't really get affected by it even at the World Cup,
1: and not nearly as affected by Fleur.
0: No. <laughs> It's interesting.
1: I feel like, like, other boys are affected. Like, we see, like, Roger Davies and stuff, but I feel like it's just, yeah. like, kind of this bit that Ron's, like, the most affected. Yeah. You know, like,
0: I don't know. <laughs> so and then she ends up marrying his older brother.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, that's, like, I, like, I don't know. I think that first mention does all it needs to do. Yeah. Like, we don't even hear her name in that. Yeah. It just, like, introduces that, like, this is the Beauxbatons girl that's name is going to get picked, basically. Because then when you, like, it comes back around, you're like, oh, we've, like, met her before. You know, like, that's kind of all it does. Right. And her only distinguishing feature is that she's absolutely gorgeous, you know? Right. Because that's
1: all that really matters. Right. And for, mostly. Yeah. I think that's, like, all you really get. From her, at least like through the first half of four, yeah, for sure. All right, so now on her Myers Briggs personality type. I had some trouble with this, but I think I settled on one that I liked. Um, it's the ESFJ personality or the console, which, um, have t- I've talked about it before. I know we use this for Cedric. Is this yours? Yeah, this is Katie's as well. Um, And I think maybe a little bit different reasons. Um, I think actually it probably fits Fleur better than it fits Cedric. Mm. So people who share the console personality type are, for lack of a better word, popular, which makes sense given that it is also a very common personality type. In high school, consuls are the cheerleaders and the quarterbacks setting the tone, taking the spotlight, and leading their teams forward to victory and fame. Later in life, consuls continue to enjoy supporting their friends and loved ones, organizing social gatherings, and doing their best to make sure everyone is happy. Obviously, the popular thing, like, she was well-liked and popular at Bobotons and Hogwarts, um, and that's probably largely due to, like, her being part Vila and, like, charismatic in that way, but... I think also, at least like her fellow Bobaton students probably respect her for like her intelligence and her skills in magic, um, which we don't like really see the Hogwarts students picking up on that much. And then, so like, obviously, like the high school stuff totally makes sense. And then I think the later in life, like, kind of shifting that popularity to like this like support role um, was very accurate when we think about shell cottage and her um, like taking care of people and kind of like the house being opened up as a safe house and stuff like that. Like, I think it, I think it works with the surface level that we see of her in school. And then the like um, deeper Fleur personality. Consuls are more concerned with fashion and their appearance, their social status, and the standings of other people. Practical matters and gossip are their bread and butter, but consuls do their best to use their powers for good. So, Ginny and Molly like see the like her being concerned with fashion and appearance and stuff like that um, as very shallow, and I think like you could totally interpret it that way but she does have this like other layer under her where she really is like morally good and cares about people and cares about like fighting Voldemort and like kind of just like the good cause consuls are altruists and they take seriously seriously their responsibility to help and to do the right thing People with a consul personality type will base their moral compass on established traditions and laws upholding authority and rules, rather than drawing their morality from philosophy or mysticism. It's important for consuls to remember, though, that people come from many backgrounds and perspectives, and what may seem right to them isn't always an absolute truth. Um, The altruist personality, like characteristic um staying in great britain to fight Voldemort. she could have gone back to france but like she is i mean obviously she stays in britain also because of bill but like she's dedicated to like the good of the wizarding world and she also followed the whole like following basing their moral compass on the like laws and rules Um, She was very much a rule follower thinking Harry shouldn't be allowed to compete in the tournament and kind of just like, oh, he's too young. He's not competent enough and was obviously convinced otherwise with the second task. But I think while like maybe Karkaroff's like disdain for Harry participating in the tournament came from just like him wanting Durmstrang to win, him wanting Crum to win. Fleurs seems more of like, no, this isn't what the rules said. Yeah. So then, consuls love to be of service, enjoying any role that allows them to, to participate in a meaningful way, so long as they know that they are valued and appreciated. This is especially apparent at home, and consuls make loyal and devoted parent, partners and parents, consul personalities, respect hierarchy, and do their best to position themselves with some authority at home and at work, which allows them to keep things clear, stable, and organized for everyone. And I think this this comes back to the shell cottage thing again, which, like, I know she wasn't always the happiest about. Like, she just got married, and now her and her husband are, like, housing all of these, like, Olivander and um, Griphook mm-hmm. and Luna and Dean. But, like, she still does it as long as, like, kind of people are, like, recognizing that she's making this sacrifice. And I think, like bill obviously does a lot for the order on like more than that level and she's like willing to like stay home and like do the work that he like wants her to be doing and she like sees the value in that even though she's like Mm -hmm. not totally happy with it yeah coming to terms with their sensitivity sensitivity is consul's biggest challenge people are going to disagree and they're going to criticize and while it hurts it's just a part of life the best thing for consoles to do is to do what they do best. Be a role model, take care of what they have the power to take care of, and enjoy that so many people do appreciate the efforts they make. I think that, like, I feel like we could see, like, her snobbiness when she's younger and in school as kind of, like, being sensitive, and she's, like, not really letting people get to know her more, and she's, like, a little off-putting because she doesn't like when people like criticize her or disagree with her. And then finally, the strengths and weaknesses. So the strengths, we have strong practical skills, strong sense of duty, very loyal, sensitive and warm, good at connecting with others. And I've like talked about this a few times already, and I will talk about it more later. But what sticks out to me most with Fleur is her loyalty and service to the people she loves. So we see she's incredibly dedicated to Bill, Um, And her sister Gabrielle. And then even like Harry and Ron once she sees that they like saved Gabrielle. And she's also loyal to the causes that she believes in. So she's willing to make the sacrifices for the Order. um, Putting up, opening up Shell Cottage. Fighting in the Battle of Hogwarts. Battle of the Seven Potters. And I couldn't remember. We'll get on this later. But the Astronomy Tower, she like shows up, right?
0: Yeah, but I don't think she was there fighting. Okay. At least they didn't find any evidence that she was there fighting. Yeah.
1: Okay, and then um, weaknesses are worried about their social status, inflexible, reluctant to innovate or improvise, vulnerable to criticism, often too needy, and too selfless. I definitely see the, like, social status thing from when she was in school, or, like, that's the perception of her. Don't really see the others, maybe the vulnerable to criticism a little bit. I don't see her as being like too selfless and she does like innovate and improvise kind of if you see like with bill becoming like kind of sort of werewolf like she's very like flexible with that so weakness is not so much but overall i feel like it's like fits pretty well from what we know i like that are you happy to have the same personality type as her
0: (laughs) yeah i don't mind it (laughs) her and Cedric are pretty good company to be in I think yeah
1: I also think Lily Potter is listed as
0: yeah I was gonna say I think she's the one that's like on the like Myers-Briggs yeah picture okay so now I'm gonna go through her performance in the tournament so first I'm just gonna kind of go through like the facts of what happened and then there are some like Interesting reasons why she performed the way she did. So in the first task, she was assigned the Commonwealth Green. Um she did know about the dragon before because Hagrid showed Madame Maxine the dragons, but everybody knew about the dragons, so everybody's did, just even again. How did Crum learn of them? Karkaroff was there. Cause remember when like Harry was walking back? He was like in the invisibility cloak and he like ran right into Karkaroff yeah. and Karkaroff was like really confused. She went second right after Cedric. Um she was able to lure the dragon to sleep with a sleeping charm, which is impressive because we do see that it takes like multiple wizards to stun a dragon, so we kind of get the impression that it takes strong magic to affect them. And, like, we kind of learn that from Sirius as well because their, like, hide is so thick, I think, is the reason why he says that.
1: Mm. I also feel like this is, like, kind of fits, like, her, her like, personality. Like, the fact that she uses, like, a charm and, like, a sleeping charm, too, like, kind of, like, like lulls the dragon to sleep. It, I feel like it, like, fits with the, like, Vila, like, charisma.
0: Yeah, I also think it's, like, pretty... Non violent, yeah, you know, like some of the other ones took a tactic of like attacking, hers yeah. was very much like passive, which isn't a bad thing. So, the dragon she was successful in putting the dragon to sleep, but when it snored, it shot off a like burst of fire and it hit her, so her skirt caught on fire. But she still was able to put it out and grab the egg. So, overall, she performed, like, pretty well in the first task. The only knock was that she was caught by the fire, which also happened to Harry.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, And Cedric.
0: Yeah, so, I don't know. I think she did, like, really pretty well on that. And, like, her even getting hit by the fire was, like, kind of a fluke anyways. So... I think she, like, performed pretty well on the first task when you, like, actually think about it. In the second task, she figured out the egg, presumably from help. I would say, like, everybody gets help in it, so I assume that she also got help she decided to use the bubble head charm to breathe under the lake, which is the charm that Cedric also uses, and she does perform it successfully, just like Cedric, but while under the water, she's attacked by Grindylows, and she was forced to forfeit. It's never really super clear what happened, like whether she couldn't get past them, or whether she got so injured she had to come up, um, or the Grindylows forced her to come up out of the lake, and then once you're out of the lake, like, that's your chance i don't know she also like harry thought the threat to the hostages was really was real and so she was like really frantic about trying to help her sister and she was like this made her extra relieved when harry came up with her sister from the lake harry and ron and so extra thankful the kisses on the cheeks and she's heard saying afterwards that she doesn't even deserve a score, that she deserves a zero because she failed at the task. And I think that says a lot about her, like, competitiveness, kind of. Like, while she is a real competitor and wants to compete, she also recognizes that, like, she failed in this instance. And, like, and I don't know, to, like, humble's not the right word, but you know what I mean? Like, like she,
1: she doesn't want something she doesn't deserve. Right. She wants it to be fair. She doesn't want to be handed a good score. yeah
0: yeah and then in the third task she was in last place due to her performance in the second task so she was the last one to enter the maze and while in the maze she was found by crouch using moody's eye to look through the hedges and uh they stunned fleur so i don't know if i remember this don't like remember this correctly but so did crumb stunned her Well, imperious or was it moody in the maze that stunned her do you remember because in the wiki it makes it seem like moody did it but then i was reading something else that said that fleur or that crumb under the imperious curse did it
1: i feel like i remember like barty coach jr explaining that he imperious crumb to attack to fleur okay Either way, she was stunned, but, and it was Moody's fault.: Yeah, I don't fault. I don't feel like because because didn't like Cedric see from attacking
0: her? I also don't know if I'm getting stuff confused with the movie.:
1: movie. I think I am. <laughs> so well, in the movie, she's like getting pulled into the maze, which that doesn't happen.
0: Yeah, I think. Because Harry finds her and shoots up red sparks by her body. I'm like 90 percent sure that happened. yes um because before she was stunned she was able to let out a scream and so that alerted harry to that fleur was in trouble and he was like oh i have to go find her okay she's freaking harry
1: i found a sci-fi stack exchange oh, post yes. entitled why did fleur scream oh <laughs> it says um harry hears fleur scream in the maze he assumes she is out of action um, later Crum attacks Cedric with the Cruciatus Curse. Oh, that's what I'm thinking of. Harry finds uh, Crumb attacking Cedric. Yeah. After Harry stuns Crumb, he and Cedric wonder if Crumb attacked Fleur too, which would explain Fleur's scream. Later, though, when Fake Moody is talking to Harry about helping Harry through the task, he says he stunned Fleur and then had Crum attack Cedric. So they're asking why would Fleur have screamed, because if she was just got stunned... Then she wouldn't like. We presumably yeah. she wouldn't have like seen Moody, but maybe she did see Mo- Moody, and then he stunned her. Like maybe he wasn't yeah. quick enough. Yeah. But okay, so she was stunned by, Party Coach Junior.
0: Yeah. And I'm, I'm pretty sure Harry found her body and shot up red sparks.
1: Yeah, uh, I okay. think so.
0: Because I didn't say that there, but I like am. Like I said, I'm like 90% sure I remember that happening.
1: Yeah, it definitely happens in the movie. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh,
1: God. Well, they should have read Sparks for Crumb, too, right? Maybe. maybe yeah, so maybe
0: that. that's what I'm thinking. Because of.
1: Harry stuns Crumb. Yeah. Okay, so maybe that
0: anyways moving on (laughs) she and then so when harry was bringing cedric's body back she was actually one of the first to realize that cedric that there was something wrong that cedric was dead because like her and the beaux like they were like right in the front so her scream again alerted everyone to like something's up like something is not correct because like hers wasn't like a good scream it was like Oh, shit, Scream. Yeah. And um, like I said earlier, she was, like, really affected by Cedric's death because she had become really, quote-unquote, really close friends. I, like, we don't see this, but we do know that she actually asked Cedric to the dance before she asked Roger Davies, but he had already asked Cho at that point, so... And then I'm going to talk a little bit about some explanations as to why she maybe didn't perform super well. So the first, like in the second task, we do know that velas are like fire creatures. We know that they can like throw balls of fire and they're more like fire-like creatures. (laughs) So people are saying that her being in the watery environment under the lake could have even had, like, a dampening effect on her abilities and her powers, which I think is interesting. Like, I don't know if that's what JK was, like, intending, but I think it's interesting to think about. It also says that Grindelos aren't native to France, so she might not have studied them. Mm -hmm. I don't know where Grindelos are native to. I didn't check that. So if they are native to Britain or Scotland, like, that could be fair. Um I mean, that also means that Crumb might not have studied them either, but...
1: Found in the lakes in Britain and Ireland.
0: Yeah, so that's also another explanation. And people are also pointing to the fact that her hostage was a little bit different than everybody else's, especially from, like, Cedric and Crumbs, in my opinion. It was her sister, And she did actually like I said earlier believe that the hostages were in real danger so people are also pointing the fact that she could have been maybe like a little bit more frantic and on edge during the second task and that could have like affected her performance as well. Yeah. And then obviously the reason why she didn't succeed is that Moody was pulling the strings, you know. <laughs> she like she was not meant to succeed. Like she she was sabotaged, you know, especially in that third task. And we see this in like kind of this first task where there was like minimal meddling. Um, I mean there was kind of minimal meddling in the second task as well, but in the first task, when she was like given an a fair opportunity, she performed pretty well, like I said earlier.
1: Why didn't Moody meddle at all? Well, he told Hagrid to tell Harry about the dragons. Yeah. But, like... And
0: then he helped Harry figure out that flying would be the best option. Oh, yeah. And then I guess so Like the, the, the second first task, time he, he kind like,
1: didn't do that much either. Like, I mean, he did the same thing where he, like, basically got Harry brain. to figure out the clue and then, like, provided the gillyweed so it was like he did like the this is what the task is going to be and this is how you're going to solve it but obviously he couldn't do anything during the actual task i guess
0: yeah he kind of just in the first two he just gives harry help he doesn't really like sabotage the other Mm. contestants but he just helps harry
1: i guess all he had to do was get harry to the third task like harry didn't even need to be leading
0: yeah yeah So then there's this really well-written-out explanation kind of as a storytelling device, why she had to do so poorly. And so this is on a core thread, and this explanation is typed by Frances Dickinson. Um, So I'm just going to like pretty much read this word for word because I think it's pretty well written. So in the first task... There are some things that kind of have to happen. So Harry has to win. He needs a triumph to make it make him think that he actually has a chance and that he's because he at this point like he's feuding with ron like he thinks that he's still too young to be a part of this like he doesn't have any confidence so he needs to do well in this so he can't come last in the first task cedric also can't come last cedric can never come last um because he is like the true hogwarts champion and like obviously he dies at the end of the book so like proving that he like is a true champion is important throughout the tournament and then Victor has to be impressive. He's also meant to have one judge on his side in order to set up what comes next and like Karkaroff. So Victor also can't come last. Last in this first task. So this leaves Fleur, who arguably has the best performance of the non hairy competitors, coming in last, storytelling
1: wise. I yeah, I get the storytelling argument. I just want to point out, I've never, like, fully thought about how bullshit this scoring is. Because, yeah. like, I would argue that Fleur has the best performance of anyone. Because Harry and Cedric are both injured by the dragon. is yeah. not injured, just her robe get fire.
0: But I believe that Harry and Cedric both did it faster than her. Oh, that, okay. I, f- I could be wrong, but I feel like they talk about Harry doing it, like, the second fastest. Yeah. And Cedric being the only one who did it faster. I could be wrong, but I think that's what happened. That makes sense. It, but a little so. bit.
1: But also, like, Crumb caused the dragon to go into convulsions and, like, smashed a bunch of its other eggs, which, like, isn't one of the points is that you're only supposed to get the golden egg and, like, the other ones are supposed to be. I don't know if that's, like, explicitly said, but. Yeah. Seems like it's. You don't want be... to be out
0: here killing innocent baby dragons.
1: Right. So, like, I don't based on that like I know there's the time aspect which I don't fully remember but I don't and like I know that the judging is not accurate but like I just wanted to point that out because I had like fully fallen for the like oh yeah like like literally every time I've read four I've been like oh yeah Fleur like she like was fine in the first task but like wasn't anything outstanding but like I think there's an argument to be made that she was the best or one of the best
0: yeah no I agree and I can't remember how she did scoring-wise. Did she actually come in last in the first task?
1: I think she did. Oh, jeez. Harry came in second.
0: Yeah, Cedric came
1: in first, though. So she must have come in last. Yeah. Um,
0: so, moving on. So, as for why she failed at the second task, her actual failure. Again, the answer is Doylist. I don't know what that means. The I have to find- like it's like a narrative. Like, yeah that's like what I assumed yeah. um, we have the following requirements Harry needs to succeed he's our protagonist like Harry can't fail at any of these Harry cannot leave Cedric looking actually looking bad so Cedric also has to succeed and then one competitor needs to fail because we need to see Harry rescue their hostage so then that leaves either Crumb or Fleur having to like not make it to the hostages at all And then one competitor needs to be helped by Harry to underscore that Harry doesn't actually care about winning, and that can't be Cedric, because Cedric has to succeed on his own. So this is more narrative weight if Harry has to help his fellow seeker, as he's more like him. There is also going to be more weight in the final event if the person Harry helped in the second test takes out Cedric. Who are they talking about in the last one? There is more narrative weight if Harry has to help his fellow seeker.
1: As he's more like
0: him. So that's helping him like but Cedric is the one who helped Harry.
1: Yeah, and Harry Yeah.
0: And then Harry helped Fleur. So I don't really understand what this is saying.
1: Yeah. Oh, Harry helps Crum. He doesn't he cut the he gives Crum his knife. This doesn't happen in the movie.
0: Yeah, he does. He gives right. Crum his
1: knife, and okay, saying, so fellow
0: seeker, they're talking about Crumb, yeah. not Cedric.
1: And he's that's saying confusing. that gives more they're weight. Both seekers. They're saying that gives more weight because it, the, it's, Crumb. like Harry helps Crum, and then Crumb is the one that attacks Cedric. Even yeah, it's not really, Crum yeah. attacks Cedric.
0: Okay, that's confusing because Cedric and Crumb are both seekers.
1: Yeah. Okay. A couple points. So I had, when I had read your notes on this, I would read that, like, the person who was helped was Fleur, but it's, it's Crumb. This is what we were talking about, the knife Yeah. Thing. But I would also argue that, like, Fleur has to be the one to not save her, her person, her hostage, because, like, okay, we, we established that Cedric needs to succeed, but Crumb can't fail because then the two hostages left would be Hermione and Ron, and Harry wouldn't like know which one was supposed to be his and it wouldn't have Mm -hmm. been like as like noble of him to save both of them because like they're both his best friends of course he's gonna save both of them but like him sacrificing himself to save ron as well as gabrielle like someone who he doesn't even know is like more of the like hero complex noble harry
0: yeah, you could also make the argument that like Gabrielle, like I said earlier, like Fleur actually believed that she was in yeah. actual danger. So that also makes Harry saving her like so much more meaningful because I don't think Crum or Cedric would have like fallen for it per se like Harry and Fleur did. So even if Cedric or um Crum didn't save Hermione or Cho, like I don't know if it would have meant as much to them. Yeah. Because they were like, bro, they were fine, you know, kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Um, and then, so going back to the first task, after the first task, Harry and Victor were tied for first place with Cedric in second and Flirt in third. Oh, okay. And it doesn't, the wiki doesn't say anything about times, but I think you're right. There is something with the time it takes. And then we, Victor gets put tied for first because we know that Karkaroff is biased.
0: Yeah, he gives Um, him a 10,
1: and he didn't deserve it.
0: And then Karkaroff, like, underscores Harry, too.
1: Yes. And I guess the reason Cedric does better than Fleur is probably the time thing.
0: Yeah, I think so. Because I think Cedric was the fastest, but, like, he got the most injured injured from the dragon. Yeah.
1: I could be wrong, but... Yeah. And then at the end of the second task... Well, for the second task, Cedric scored 47 points, Harry scored 45... Victor earned forty and Fleur got twenty five, so at the after the first two tasks, Harry and Cedric were tied for first place. Victor was in second and Fleur third. Also, that means that Cedric only uh, the first task he only did two points worse than Harry and Crumb. Yeah. So, anyway, just
0: updating. Okay, and then for the third task and like the overall result of the tournament. Um, Harry was going to win. He was our protagonist. Like, Harry was never going to fail at the Triwizard Tournament, right? And then Cedric was going to get equal first so they could share the trophy. And then Cedric had to become the spare. Because I think, again, it meant so much more to Harry that it was Cedric there mm-hmm. and not Fleur. Mm-hmm. Um, So that and to has them to... And yeah, and, for yeah. sure.
1: Like, we've established so that, Cedric as, like, this perfect Tufflepuff.
0: Yeah, and, like, he is argu- arguably, like, one of the most innocent characters that yeah. I see throughout the series. And so, like, it makes his death so much worse and that he was killed for, like, no reason, basically. Right. Um, so this leaves Victor and Fleur each placing no higher than third. However, third and fourth place is decided by Fake Moody. So, Fake Moody stuns Fleur to make her fourth and then puts Crumb under the Imperious curse, and he's third. So, I mean, it didn't really matter which order he did, but, like, that was what was going to happen. Whoever he stunned was fourth, and mm-hmm. whoever he imperious was third. And so it makes a lot more sense for the champion from Ring to be the one that gets... Um, that is using the dark arts later so it makes more sense for him to have cast the Cruciardus curse on Cedric because like we know that Dermspring is like a dark arts based school and I think it would have been a lot more suspicious if Fleur was casting the Cruciardus curse just because like Kind of throughout this whole time, like Victor is like this sulking, like kind of mysterious figure. Yeah. Like we never really learn that much about him. We don't really learn his like personality that much, other than the fact that like he's in love with Hermione. Um, so that makes him it makes more sense for him to have been the one that was imperious and used to attack Cedric. So that just automatically makes him fit into the third place. Yeah. So after all of that, I really think that. And like, this is, like, kind of what I've always thought, but I just never, like, thought of it as, like, thoroughly as Francis did, that, like, Fleur had to perform badly for the story. Because, yeah. like I said, like, Vic, this is all something that they didn't um, write in this, but something I've always thought of, especially with Victor Crumb, is, like, he's this, like, renowned quidditch star so we also really can't have him be like a bumbling idiot throughout the triwizard tournament you know like he already has this like esteem to him that i think that it's important to like keep that up for his character you know yeah like he's this international star like he can't be the worst one you know so i always thought that it was kind of down to story writing why she did so poorly. Also, while we're on the note of this, I have a huge pet peeve with the movies because I don't know if I've talked about this. I probably have before. But Bobaton's is not an all girls school, and making it an all girls school in the movie makes it seem like the only way a girl could have been a champion is from an all girls school. And then she's that like really the grinds worst my gears. Yeah, because yeah. that makes it look even worse that she's the worst champion. Because, like, Other than that, like, like we said, I think we, especially in the first task, we proved that she was, like, fully competent of being the champion. Um, Some, like, extenuating circumstances kind of got in her way for the rest of the task, especially the third task and the tournament as a whole. But, I don't know, that just really pisses me the fuck off that it's an all-female school in the movies. Yeah. I, like, ever since that movie has come out, that, like,
1: I I can't. (laughs) Uh, you're right. Like, it seems like a minor thing because we don't, like, like we don't meet any, like, bobaton boys or, you know, like, yeah. but it does have big implications for, like, the way you interpret the champions and their performances.
0: Yeah. yeah. Also, they made dermstrang an all-boys school, which I don't think it is. I've... I believe there's, like, really no evidence saying that, like, oh, there was a girl dermstrang person But there's also no evidence to say that it is an all-boys school. And they could have also just brought an all-boys delegation to Hogwarts. Like, I'd say that it's pretty likely that girls go to Durmstrang.
1: Yeah, it's just not. It's not clear.
0: Yeah. And it might even, like, there might even be some, like, writings about Durmstrang that say that it's not. But at least, like, in the Goblet of Fire, that's where it's unclear. But, like, I'd say chances are it's not In all-boys school. I feel like that would have been said if it was.
1: Yeah.
0: But yeah, so that's Fleur's performance in the Triwizard Tournament.
1: Yeah. Okay, so next I'm going to talk about Fleur's relationships with various members of the Weasley family. Um, So starting with Bill, who, of course, is her husband, um, they first crossed paths before the third task when Bill and Molly were, like, serving as Harry's family members, which... Oh, it really gets me. Heartstrings every time. Uh, but Fleur was, like, noticeably kind of eyeing him up. Um, I think they're, like, in their room off the Great Hall. And yeah, all of yeah, the champions so. are, like, with their family members. And Fleur's, like, kind of checking Bill <laughs> out.
0: Um, Poor Roger Davies didn't even leave Hogwarts before <laughs> she found a new, a new well, guy. Well,
1: I mean... What did Roger Davies really have going for him?
0: I mean, I think he's supposed to be pretty
1: attractive, (laughs) and he's he's a good Quidditch player.
0: Well, I'd I'd say like probably most boys that
1: Fleur interacts with like become idiots when they talk to her. So yeah. So when she, after, the Goblet of Fire, like after the tournament, she takes a job at Gringotts to improve her English in the summer of ninety five. (laughs) Um, and this is where she like officially meets Bill, um, because Bill had moved to a desk job in order to be able to assist the order. He was no longer a curse breaker. Yeah. Um, so they started dating pretty much immediately and dated for a year, um, until the summer of 96 when they got engaged and then they were engaged for another year before they married in the summer of 97. Um, During that time, in the spring of 97, Bill was attacked by Greyback at the Battle of the Astronomy Tower. And Fleur did not care about his scars, just that he survived. Um, She says they're like evidence of his bravery and that she's pretty enough for the both of them. I love that. (laughs) Um, And they got married on August 1st, 1997. They then moved into Shell Cottage and together manned it as a safe house for the Order during the war. And they later had three children together. Um, her relationship with Ron. Ron had a crush on her like all of the other boys during the Triwizard Tournament, mm-hmm. um, as Katie established with our first mention. <laughs> um, and Ron asked her to the Yule Ball, and before she could answer, he ran away. <laughs> Um, it's presumed that she would have said no because I think she was already taking Roger Davies at this point. Probably because Probably. like this is it was like, pretty late. It was late, yeah, and she had and like asked this... Cedric and then asked Roger, so like, yeah, I, don't know. I feel like she wouldn't have hesitated. You know, she would have just no. like.
0: I mean, to be fair, not bash ron but i think that even if she hadn't have already asked or i think maybe roger asked her i can't remember even if she had not already said she would go with roger like i don't
1: think she would well yeah because she doesn't know him at all (laughs) like
0: can you imagine like just like not knowing somebody and then like going on a date with them for like four hours like where you have to sit in front of the whole school and you have to like dance in front of the whole school and, and dance and like just spend that much time with them like
1: it's not even like not knowing like oh you're both at Hogwarts in the same year, but they're like in another house. Like yeah. um, Padma and Ron. Like at least they yeah. knew of each other. Like Yeah. And that didn't go well. <laughs> that gives you that's giving me anxiety. <laughs> um, so then, but after the second task, Fleur was extremely appreciative to Ron for saving Gabrielle, <laughs> even though really Harry was the one who did it um but she like gives them kisses on the cheeks and then I think she says goodbye to him at the end of the year when she comes and says goodbye to Harry the two were friendly like when she became part of the Weasley family Ron obviously did not have a problem with her (laughs) 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 and then (laughs) and then Ron stayed at Shell Cottage with Bill and Fleur both like when he was away from Harry and Hermione and then again with Harry and Hermione after Malfoy Manor okay so then on to Ginny and Molly which this is not the shining moment for either of them two of my favorite Weasleys and we gotta
0: I like okay I don't know if you talked about this but I feel like a lot of it comes down to like not like pride me well maybe pride like I don't know I feel like they've just been the only girls for so Mm. long and like having their like and like Hermione like I don't know, like, kind of, but, like, not in the same way that, like, Fleur is becoming a part of, at least Hermione not yet, (laughs) becoming a part of the family, but, like, I think they see her as, like, this intruder, like, coming to, like, corrupt Bill and, like, take him away from them. Yeah. And, like, disrupt their family, like, order. I don't, I feel like that's the vibe I'm getting from at least, like, maybe Ginny more. I think Molly is maybe a little bit more disapproving of, like. her with bill yeah Yeah. and like how like he she doesn't think that they're a good match
1: yeah so yeah in the summer of 96 this is when they like first really met i don't think Ginny really meets fleur obviously she knows of her but i don't know that we see them interacting at all during goblet of fire Mm, Um, i don't think so so after bill and fleur got engaged bill kind of like Uh, sent Fleur to stay at the borough because he was very busy with work and he wanted her to get to know his family. So that's why he's not there um, because he was like busy with the order and work and stuff. But um, he wanted her to get to know his family and because they were engaged and it was also like an opportunity for her to work on her English um, because she was only working at Gringotts part-time. And I don't know even at this point if she still was working.
0: Yeah.
1: But from the start, Molly and Ginny... Did not like Fleur. They thought she was snobby. Um, She was kind of blunt and critical. And I mean, it's kind of assumed that the borough was like unlike any place she had ever lived before. You know, like with all of the people living together, like close quarters, the chickens and the like work in the yard and stuff like that. Um, It's kind of assumed that she was like of a higher social status in France um, and maybe comes from a little bit of money. So she was like, didn't help herself by being a little negative, um, a little critical. But I think that's mostly just in her nature. (laughs) Neither Molly or Ginny saw Fleur as a good match for Bill. And I think they both had very high standards. I mean, Bill was Molly's eldest son, the first one to marry. She's going to be very protective over him. Um, And Ginny basically just idolizes Bill. At, like he's her oldest brother and she we see her like I think it's earlier in the series or maybe it's even in the same time like she's talking about how she like likes Bill's earrings and tattoos yeah. or whatever I don't know if he has tattoos but like he probably does let's be <laughs> she like clearly I mean Bill's super cool and she clearly like thinks he's really cool and idolizes him obviously way more than she idolizes Percy and like I think she's closer with Fred and George so it's less of like a Idolizing and more of like yeah. they're just like they're her older brothers, and I feel like Bill being so much older than her, like he probably didn't torment her like her other brothers did. Yeah. So I think she was like had very high standards that didn't want him to like be taken away from the family. Then Ginny, during the summer, Ginny came up with the name Flem for Fleur, which is a low moment for her. <laughs> uh, they never used it to her face, and they always called her behind her back, which I don't know that that makes it any better. Um, but they called her phlegm because of her accent and the fact that she, they did not like her personality, like phlegm-like personality. I don't know. Mm. Hermione is also in on this. Um, yeah,
0: but Hermione's kind of always had it out for a flirt, too, though. Like, because even of in that, the first name. mention. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's um, because
0: she snickered at Voldemort's speech. It's literally all yeah. because of that.
1: Voldemort? <laughs> or Dumbledore. Jesus Christ. I did the opposite in the Voldemort episode. <laughs> Anyways. So then at Christmas and Half-Blood Prince, Fleur does not help her cause further when she is complaining about Mrs. Weasley playing Celestina Warbeck on the radio and like you do not insult Celestina Warbeck to Mrs. Weasley or to Katie. <laughs> Um, fan. so basically, uh, Molly and Ginny kind of just thought she would abandon Bill when he was tacked by Greyback. Um, he was no longer like a good looking guy, but Fleur was able to win them over when she stayed by his side. At least Molly, maybe not Ginny so much, cause I think Ginny was more just like averse to the idea of them marrying, like yeah. you said. Um, but Molly is like pretty fully won over. Um, She gets Aunt Muriel to, like, let Fleur wear her tiara for the wedding. She, like, lets Fleur's parents stay in their bedroom at the borough. Like, she pretty much, like, is wholeheartedly in at that point, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Judy ends up being one of Fleur's bridesmaids. And I feel like this is, like, Fleur trying to, like, be the, the, like, adult and, like, accept her into the, like, into her life and, like, kind of, like, a, a peace offering. But...
0: Yeah, because, like, I think her only bridesmaids are Ginny and Gabrielle. Gabrielle. yeah. Because they mm. talk about how, like, Ginny can't wear pink because he'll clash with her red hair, and Ginny's like...
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ginny's still a little, like, rolling her eyes at Fleur and everything. But I think, I feel like it's more civil now.
0: Yeah. I feel like she stopped okay. calling
1: her phlegm. I don't think we hear I,
0: that. I don't think we hear it past,
1: like... Past, like, order Christmas of six, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I don't know, I think that... What was I going to say? I wonder how much Fleur, like, picked up on the fact that they didn't like her. Yeah. You know, know. like, obviously that scene where, like, they're at the hospital with Bill, she's, like, obviously very much, like, she can tell that Molly's, like, digging. Yeah. Like, taking a dig, right? But, like, I wonder how much she actually is picking up on, like, in the burrow, like, the things that she's saying and, like, their sassy, like, comments back. Yeah. Because, like, I wonder how much, if she did pick up on it, like telling Bill and like Bill's reaction to like yeah. hearing his mom and sister.
1: Yeah, I kind wonder how like... much too. Because she is kind of aloof.
0: Yeah. And I mean, like, obviously she's unaware of like what she's saying. Yeah, she doesn't hurtful. realize she's offending them. So, like, maybe she's like not picking up on like them taking offense to it. I don't right. Know. I could like see that happening. And then, like, I, Molly like trying to set Bill up with Tonks all yeah. throughout like order. It's like, girl yeah and half blood i guess it's half blood not order i think it's half blood yeah like that's kind of rough because at that point were they engaged or did yeah they, get engaged? they got engaged, yeah.
1: engaged in like the summer of 96 or the spring of 96 like they're engaged yeah. before six starts <laughs> um <Molly. laughs> yeah it's not molly should have done better i will like i they like i love molly i think she's a great character but, I mean, there are some obvious flaws there, you know, in the way that... Yeah. I mean, she's just... She's protective and doesn't handle yeah. that the best way. Well, because she also
0: doesn't handle, like, the Hermione thing very well. Yeah, no,
1: no. Like, it's... There are flaws in, like, the, it's, like, that and then, like, the... Yeah, the Hermione thing with the Rita Skeeter writings. Like, it's kind of a similar reaction that she has. Yeah. And, like, she does kind of... At times, she can be immature, you know, like, when she yeah. thinks that something is not right for her sons. Ginny, yeah. um, I know we talked about this on the Ginny episode. I don't fully remember what we said. Like, I mean, this is, like, I feel like when I first read it, like, this was funny.
0: You know, yeah. like, Ginny
1: coming up with these names and stuff. But, like, it's mean. And, obviously, don't condone it. And Ginny's not a saint. None of the characters in the series are a saint. Um, no. But I think we do have to remember, like, she's 15 at this point. Yeah. Like, being, like, a 15-year-old youngest child and her oldest brother is, like, getting married to someone she doesn't like, like, yeah, she's going to act out a little. Like, it's understandable.
0: Yeah, and also, like, in-laws being bad is just, like, a trope and, like, yeah. a thing yeah. in the, like, in the world. So, like, <laughs> I don't know. In-laws not liking, that like, their, whoever it is that is marrying into their family, like, is a thing that happens all the time in like both media and in real life so it's kind of like pretty minimal I would say not saying just because other people do it that it's okay but like you know what I mean yeah okay so I didn't find too too much about this but I'll go through what we do know um so this is going to be about her involvement in the second wizarding war So we know that she's present for the Battle of the Seven Potters as she's one of the Harrys. And she's paired with Bill on a Thestral because she doesn't like to fly on brooms, just like Hermione. And she is one, her and Bill are the people that witness Mad-Eye's death and she's like really affected by it. Um, as we see a little bit later. And then also back at the borough, once they're all there, she's the one who brings up the fact that, like, somebody could have betrayed them, yeah. which is seen as kind of this, like, oh, my God, I can't believe she just said that, but, like, technically, that's kind of what happened. Like she, Yeah, Mun- she's
1: pointing at the obvious kind of
0: thing. <laughs> yeah, like, Mun- not, that Mundungus, not that Mundungus betrayed them, but, like, Voldemort knew about the plans that yeah. happened. And so, like, the obvious conclusion was that, like, somebody who knew about it told somebody else fleur and bill moved to shell cottage after they were married and they host ron after he's being a little bitch and then harry ron hermione luna dean olivander and griphook after they escape malfoy manor so at this time she is taking care of everybody she makes everybody food um she makes sure they're all comfortable have places to sleep and she helps nurse Ollivander back to health and Griphook to some extent. And we know that she really doesn't like Griphook, but does it anyways. And then we also see that after Harry is kind of seen or heard talking about leaving, she doesn't want him to leave. She wants him to stay and be safe at Shell Cottage with them. So she, we see that like she's really become... I don't know if like this family woman is the right word to describe it, but like she's very. She's acting
1: like a housewife.
0: Yeah, and like a mother, I would say to like a lot of, like to everybody. Like she's caring for them. She's like
1: warm and. She's giving up her house. And yeah.
0: Yeah, and like, I mean, there's obviously some instances where we get the. we get the instance that she's not super happy about doing it but she does it anyways and I think that she does it because of like a sense of duty that was like one of the um strengths of her personality type that we Mm -hmm. talked about earlier so she like feels like it's the right thing to do she knows it's the right thing to do and so she does it anyways and I think probably like Bill also helps her like like you know when they like go into the bedroom at night and she's like really upset Bill's like it's fine like we got it don't worry this is for this reason like you're doing a great job you know like I think that Bill is like also supporting her while she's supporting everybody else because obviously like she needs somebody to support her and I think Bill is that person for her they're so good together they are (laughs) and then so she does show up with Bill at the Battle of Hogwarts to never be seen or heard from again. So I have no idea what she does
1: during the Battle of Hogwarts. I mm-hmm. think I could assume that she fights. Like, you she... know that she's a pretty capable witch. Doesn't, like, when Percy... When they're all, like, standing together before, when Percy shows up, she, like, pulls... So Harry and pulls, aside?
0: Yes, yeah, so she pulls Harry and the side so that, like, Percy can have, yeah. like, some privacy with his family, and they start talking about Teddy, right. which is interesting, because I'll bring that around
1: later. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, so, she's also just, like, she's become, like, pretty tactful, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she's a little bit better about, like, hiding her... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, hiding the fact that she's not super happy about the amount of people in her house. Because I don't yeah. think she's ever... Like, it's implied that, like, whenever she leaves Grip Hook, she's, like, angry. But I don't think she's, like, angry in front of Grip Hook. Yeah. You know, kind of thing. Or, like, letting people know that she's angry. And I think she does really like Ollivander. Because, like, she said... So, Ollivander then leaves to go live with Aunt Muriel, I think.
1: Oh, I thought it was like, with the child. Tonks'... Is-
0: Oh, maybe it's Ted Tongs. Anyways, like she gives or not Ted um, her Ted's tiara, Ted. Um, Muriel's tiara to, Ollivander to give back to Muriel. Oh yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, because
0: she's very like I have to make sure I get this back to her. So like I think she's just become like pretty tactful and like, not like a good person because like she was always a good person, but like you know what I mean. Like she's become very caring.
1: Yeah, she's and matured a lot.
0: Yeah, for sure um and then after the battle of hogwarts she was granted medals of honor from both the english and french ministries for magic so i think that's pretty cool again like i wish that we would have seen her like in battle just to like prove that she fought you know like even if it was just like oh and fleur was battling this person you know like just in passing like i assume that she did because she showed up and like i said she's like a fairly capable witch at least to the point yeah, that definitely. she was picked for the Triwizard Tournament. Yeah. So, and she, like, got a job at Green Gringotts, which, like, I can't assume is, like, m- the easiest thing to do. I don't yeah.
1: know. And, like, I mean, your point earlier, but, like, we don't fully, like, she's never fully talked about as, like, a member of the Order, but, like, she just as well is. Like, you know, like, yeah. she's in the Battle of the Seven Potters, which is basically, like, the inner circle of the Order. Yeah. Um And, like, the fact that she shows up at... at answers neville's call for the battle of hogwarts like and the all the stuff that she did for like the safe house like she's a member of the order in my eyes yeah so now i'm gonna talk about her hogwarts house which (laughs) like her personality type i had a lot of trouble with this but this was the opposite reason i felt like she was fitting i could come up with the reasons for everyone so i want to make my argument see what you think um, I kind of had a house in mind going in, and I think that's still the house I'm gonna go with, but okay. we'll see. So the case for Ravenclaw. A lot of people just—just oh, just
0: to be clear, like she
1: doesn't go to Hogwarts, so like we don't know what the. Oh answer yeah, is. <laughs> this is what Hogwarts says she would be in. Sorry, yeah. no, you're good. <laughs> we are Pottermore sort- sorting her. <laughs> yes. Um, so the case for Ravenclaw. Um, a lot of people just like argue this or assume this because. J. K. wrote it so that the Bovaton sat at the Ravenclaw table, which okay, that doesn't really mean anything to me. But she is clearly very smart and like she was chosen for the tournament, so like had to have been a capable witch, which doesn't necessarily mean Ravenclaw, but like she's probably pretty intelligent, you know? She can be pretentious, which is is a bit of a Ravenclaw trait um like during the Goblet of Fire Fire at Hogwarts um not accepting Harry as the champion and then the whole half-blood prince in the burrow part and she is driven to improve her English she like wants to improve she wants to learn and she's accepting of Bill after he is attacked by Greyback and I see that like sort of acceptance of differences can be argued as a Ravenclaw trait Gryffindor she had to be brave to fight in the triwizard tournament or to participate in the triwizard tournament essentially joined the order and stayed in Great Britain to fight even when she could have just returned home to France she fought in battles of seven potters and of Hogwarts and I think one of the most telling things for Gryffindor is that she was really proud of Bill's wounds because they were proof of his bravery like she says that not even, like, she's not just, like, accepting and, like, I don't really care that he's injured. She's like, no, this is proof that he fought. Like, this is proof of his bravery. And so, her, like, really admiring that in Bill. And even just the fact that she's with Bill, who I feel like is, what we know of him is very, like, brave Gryffindor type. I think that shows that she values that trait. Hufflepuff. Um, She's extremely loyal to those that she loves. Gabrielle and Bill particularly. And then Harry gets... Um, kind of adopted into that. She's hardworking and has a strong sense of duty um, and is warm and kind, like what Katie was talking about with caring for people at Chell Cottage. I think that kind of shows all of that. She joined the Order and fought Voldemort, I think because she saw it as the right thing to do. Yes, it's because Bill and his family were doing it, but um, it's reminiscent to me of Hufflepuff staying behind in the Battle of Hogwarts. And we always hear that like Hufflepuff said the most students stay behind, after Gryffindor not because they were brave and they wanted to fight but just because they knew it was the right thing to do I think Cedric could also
0: be like a common thread between like the Hufflepuff saying and Fleur saying because I think both of them like feel loyalty to him Mm. Um, as we talked about earlier like his death really affected her and I think that's like also part of the reason why she was like willing to help fight like for Cedric you know yeah
1: yeah definitely Yeah, it's a a loyalty, another, like, loyalty trait to someone she loves, um, or, like, grew very close with. And then once Harry and Ron saved Gabrielle, she was very appreciative and kind of, like, felt indebted to them. Um, Like, she felt bonded to them, and immediately they won her loyalty, and, like, Harry won her over that way. And she was, like, totally changed the way she was, um, uh, like, addressed him from that point on. Then finally with Slytherin... Um, You do have to be ambitious to enter the Wizard Tournament. I mean, obviously we see Harry and Cedric who are from other houses, but, like, you have to be ambitious to want to win that. Um, Mm -hmm. She was driven to learn English, which I said as a Ravenclaw trait, but I think can also be kind of, like, part of her ambition um, as a Slytherin. And I think the most convincing thing for Slytherin is that, like, kind of similar to the Hufflepuff type but she's fiercely loyal to her own so I was talking about loyal to the people she loves but like on top of that she can be standoffish and snobby to those who are not important to her so it's kind of like that fraternity and like internal loyalty that we see in Slytherins okay before I say what my conclusion is what do you think what do you think I'm gonna say Hufflepuff yeah Yeah.
0: (laughs) I could like I think that out of all of those, I think that, like, she just fits with that the most. Like, the essence yeah. of who she is, I think, comes down a lot to her loyalty. Mm-hmm. But I think that what, like, separates it from the Slytherin loyalty is that she's not just, like, loyal to them, but, like, she's caring. Yeah. And you also see her, like, with Griphook, who, like, maybe she doesn't like. She still is caring for him. mm mm-hmm. um, so, again, maybe, like, a little bit of the growth we see throughout her is, like, her kind of, like, loyalty going from, like, the Slytherin form of loyalty like yeah. to more the Hufflepuff. And I know, like, you get sorted at 11, whatever, but I know, I think that Hufflepuff fits her the best.
1: Yeah, I think I, that was my choice as well. Okay. Um, and that's what I thought going in, too. Okay. I, would like, thought about it a little before I typed this stuff up, and I was like, I actually think she's a Hufflepuff. I don't know if I had ever thought to sort her before. yeah. But I think just, like, what I keep coming back to with the personality type and with you talking about what she did in the war, like, and with this, it's everything is about her loyalty, her sense of duty. And I Mm -hmm. think another, one of the differences between the Hufflepuff loyalty and the Slytherin loyalty is that, like, she is loyal to the cause against Voldemort. And, like, that kind of doesn't have anything to do with her. You know, like, Voldemort never expanded into mainland Europe like she could have just as easily gone off and like forgot about him you mm-hmm. know um and I think maybe like what we see of her in Goblet is a little bit Slytherin like but that when we really get to know her um especially in Seven it's a Hufflepuff yeah which I is like I kind of like because I feel like you wouldn't like think of her as a Hufflepuff if you just no. like surface level you know
0: yeah, I also think it's interesting that, like, with the console personality type, like, it's been Cedric, Fleur, me, like,
1: yeah, more Hufflepuffs. Hufflepuffs. And,
0: like, I mean, Lily, too, but I think Lily is also, she's got some Hufflepuff in her, I think. Yeah. Like, I definitely think that she's a Gryffindor. Like, she's a little bit too, like, maybe bold and fiery. To be a Hufflepuff. To be a Hufflepuff. Yeah. But, like, I think she's got some Hufflepuff in her.
1: Yeah, and I think, yeah, I think it, when you look at that personality type, like, it Like, the strengths are, like, loyalty, like, strong sense of duty, like, kind, yeah. like, those Following are all... Following the rules. Hufflepuff, like, you know? <laughs> yeah, um, for sure. So, and there are, like, charts out there that map the personality types either just to Hogwarts houses, or some of them map them to primary and secondary Hogwarts houses. Ooh, I like that. Um, Which I'll have to find one of those. Mine didn't match up, I think, but... Mm yeah okay i'm next again (laughs) so now uh get into our last couple segments
0: oh i need a katie's trivia corner for the episode hold on i'll think about it
1: okay you think well i talk about the drink which we've already talked about because it's um so from archie thomas's book it's the cosmopolitan for fleur de liqueur and this is the drink that katie and i made when we were together. So I think I already read this, but just a basic cosmopolitan. um, And the description is that we're pretty sure that this is the perfect drink for Fleur. Classy it may be, perhaps even a little snobbish, but pretty tasty nonetheless. I liked it. Yeah, it was good.
0: (laughs) I still don't have a trivia corner. Yikes. I'm trying to think of something. Okay, well, I'll go ahead and just do the where they now, anyways. So... Bill and Fleur married, they have three children, Victoire, Dominique, and Louis. So, we see Fleur had as much naming rights to their children as Harry did over his
1: children. What, because they're all very French? Yes. (laughs) Victoire was um, born on the anniversary of the Battle of Hogwarts and was named such because it means victory.
0: victory. I like that. Um, and then we see later, both in the 19 years later and in Cursed Child, question mark? Isn't Teddy completely written out of Cursed Child? Maybe. Maybe we don't see it in Cursed Child. Maybe I'm making that up. But we see, like, Victoria and Teddy have, like, a little bit of a thing, which I, which is what I was alluding to earlier when I was talking about Fleur pulling Lupin and Harry away to talk about Teddy. I'm like,
1: Ooh. Don't we hear about this because, like... James, yeah, they're like like comes off the train and he's like,
0: (laughs) Uh, I think that's so cute. I ship them. They might be my number one ship in the series. (laughs) Okay. Um, We don't really know anything else about her. Um, I think that I could assume that she's probably still living at Shell Cottage.
1: Yeah. Still married to Bill. Being a mom, like I see her. Oh, sorry. Trivia quarter. Just Shell Cottage. Like, I feel like that's asked a lot. Ooh, it's like, Yeah. We would get it, but, like, it's less mm-hmm. obscure, but I feel like that's asked a lot.
0: Yeah, no, I that's good. So, for Katie's Trigant Corner, the, like, name of Bill and Fleur's house is Shell Cottage. I know we, like, have said that a bunch of times throughout the episode, but that's what we're referring to, like, the one kind of on the beach. Yes.
1: Oh, it's also... It's located on the outskirts of Tinworth, Cornwall, England.
0: Oh, yeah. That's what, like, um, Ron says when they first are, like, apparating there, I think. Or maybe when he's, like, saying where he was. I remember, like, a quote from that. But, yeah. Like, presumably still living there. Presumably still married to Bill. I, like, I see her as kind of, like, a stay-at-home mom.
1: Like a Mrs. Weasley type?
0: Yeah. Like, maybe, like, working part-time at Gringotts. Like, maybe a little bit once the kids are, like, a little bit older. But I, like, don't know if we have any evidence of this, but I I have a feeling that all three of the kids are, like, pretty close in age, Mm -hmm. and I feel like they would just kind of, like... Pop them out. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) That's just a feeling I have. I feel like Fleur would be the kind of mom that's just, like, no, we're just gonna... We're gonna do it. (laughs) Get it all done with. (laughs) But, yeah. So, that's where she is now. We don't really have much information, but... That's how I picture Fleur now, anyways.
1: <laughs> Where are they now? It's just gonna turn into you like writing futures for our characters we don't know about.
0: <laughs> oh my god! Please, next character we have like no information about. I'm just gonna talk about it like it's fact.
1: <laughs> and just can't go. wait till we do Lavender Brown. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, that would be a good one. Do you think there's enough about Lavender Brown to do our own episode, or should we like match her with Cavardi? already
1: i have no idea i'm
0: padma we'll, we'll crash that bridge when we get to it
1: <laughs> hi i'm ryan howard and i'm brady jungle And we're the hosts of Out of Contracts,
0: a show where we watch and talk about a random episode of Star Trek every other Sunday.
1: For each podcast, we've used a random number generator to select an episode of any of the Star Trek series. And then we talk about the story of the episode, what the writers hope to accomplish, and how the episode fits
0: into the larger tapestry of Star Trek as a whole. The thing is, though, that each of us has only seen about a third of the Star Trek episodes in existence, which means that sometimes I'll watch a late-period Deep Space Nine episode and have
1: no idea what's going on. It's fun! So, if you've ever wondered about the logistics of love on the holodeck... Or what it would really look like if all the water got sucked out of your body... Then listen to Out of Contracts every other Sunday at outofcontracts.podbean.com or wherever you download podcasts.
0: Okay, so for today's pop quiz question, it is, what character has the biggest arc from 1 to 7? Because we did talk a lot about like Fleur's g- growth throughout the series in this episode... And this or is from, from when they're introduced. Yeah,
1: and this was asked from my friend Cat. Um, and we yeah, she like asks this out of the blue, and neither of us were prepared. We were like, Bleh. we were like, this is gonna be a pop quiz question, and we're still <laughs> yeah. not prepared for it. Yeah. Okay, so I don't know. I feel like this is just gonna be a little discussion. Yeah. Um, our options, like we've got Neville. He's a like Long answer, bottom right? is like a term. Long bottoming, you know. Yeah. Um, Uh, who else do we have?
0: We talked about Snape and Draco. Like, I don't think, like, Snape actually grows throughout the series, but, like, our perception of him, like, obviously is a arc throughout
1: the series. And Draco, I've talked about how I'm skeptical of that arc.
0: Yeah. There is an article on BuzzFeed that was, I think, like, I read it, like, two days ago. It's, like, 17 times Draco deserved better or something. Mm-hmm. I, actually I get that he it, deserves better. I'm just yeah. saying I
1: don't think that he is a good person.
0: Yeah. I mentioned Peter Pettigrew. Like, again, I don't know how much of an actual arc that is, but like a, but just like rise in stock. Like a, very a slight <laughs>
1: step up.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> right before he dies. Yeah. I don't know. I think you could make a pretty good argument for Hermione, too. Uh, yeah. 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 Like from her from like the first time we meet her. Like I think she like her arc is pretty like like I think she arcs early in this series. Like I don't think her arc carries from like one to seven, but maybe like one to four kind of thing.
1: Yes. I think like becoming like more
0: confident, like less timid, less like book only smart, but like
1: also like world smart and like magic smart. You know what I mean? And like changing from the one who's like we could die or get w- worse, get expelled to, like, five. Like, she organizes Dumbledore's army. <laughs> yeah. Also, Ron, I think, yeah. Um. really grows. Ron's is a little bit of, like... I think it, I think it takes him a long time. Too. It's, like, a very slow build, and then, like, the end of Seven, it's like, oh, he finally gets there. Yeah. Because I think he is very immature for a lot of the series, very temperamental, but in the end, like... Like, for example, him um, remembering the house elves. Mm-hmm. Like, him Big growing vomit. to be a more accepting person because of his friendships with um, Harry and Hermione and Hagrid. Yeah. And kind of him getting rid of the biases that he was raised with, um, just being raised as a pureblood wizard. Yeah. I think that's a pretty good argument. Also um, becoming a, like, very competent wizard.
0: Yeah. And, like, more competent, too. Like, yeah. not only
1: competent, confident, but, like confident. Yeah. yeah.
0: Anyway, I think those are all good.
1: And Percy, I think. Yeah, yeah. Which both of us are kind of... I think the issue with us answering this question is we're both very skeptical of the the redemptions of characters, particularly in Deathly Hallows, Um, like Snape and Percy. Like, we see those, like, final good things as not really being... Yeah. Not erasing the past.
0: I have faith that, like, Percy really did come to his senses and is like, Wants to be part of the family again. But I also just, like, don't love that it took him that long. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I get that he was, like, blindly ambitious at the ministry and just, like, wanted to move up, like, at whatever cost. Yeah. I don't know. Just, like, I don't know. Like, I I can't forget his past sins. You know what yeah. I
1: mean? I just think neither safe. of us are super forgiving, so this makes this <laughs> question difficult yeah. <laughs> um, yeah i think really any of those characters i think maybe talking about it i'm most convinced by someone like ron
0: yeah i feel like, like i think i would say hermione yeah i think like i'll and then again like obviously neville is like the classic
1: right right all right so go subscribe to us on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify Anywhere you listen to your podcasts, um, you can download and listen to our episodes released every other Tuesday. Um, Also, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts.
0: Then you can find us on Facebook and Instagram as Wizard Studies Podcast and Twitter as Wizard Studies. You can also email us at wizardstudiespodcast at gmail.com. If you have any episode ideas, again, thank you Leia for this one. Um, I mean, we were going to get around to Flare, but you kind of just prompted us to do it a little bit earlier, and I think we're both glad that we did. I think it was one that we were kind of both looking forward to. Um, you can also send us pop quiz questions, or just contact us about anything yeah
1: all right as always thank you so much for listening and remember just do your best we'll do the rest
0: and learn until our brains all rot